And so that'll be a blessing. While they are going, um, let me just say a word before I pray. Um, I think that I know for me personally, the topic that we're approaching today is, has been the toughest, toughest topic so far when it comes to the teaching through uh, the Sermon on the Mount. I think there are some of these areas that have, you've seen them and seen maybe what it's going to be about and think, well, I'm not struggling too much there. Got a handle on that one. For some of you, I know we've been challenged by Jesus' teaching on some of these topics and it has struck a chord with you. For me, I knew leading up to this that this area of judging has been such a difficulty in my life. I love that God doesn't waste anything in our life. I love that. God is sovereign. God can take any background, any situation, any uh, worthless person like you and me and turn us into something great for him. Having said that, I think it's very, I think it's true that the most tears that I have shed in my life have been over this area here where I have realized months and years later the judgment that I cast on others for things that were outside of the Bible. I'm going to spend this week and next week talking about this. I haven't uh, went through all of the second, the part two message, but there's a lot of application. And also, there are some places that you might be thinking when we use the first verse of Matthew 7, uh, judge not, lest you be not judged. Many of you are thinking we're going to go to a certain place. Today, we're going to walk through the first six verses, and we're going to, as we always do, um, have Bible teaching and see exactly what the text says. And next week, we'll use these same verses, and we'll have quite a bit more application because it is my opinion that a judgmental spirit and attitude can be the biggest hindrance to an individual Christian's growth and also, it's my opinion, that a judgmental attitude and spirit will be the biggest thing that will keep God's church from growing. Not too long ago, I walked through and I was trying to answer this question. What is keeping churches from growing? What is keeping us from seeing maybe an explosion or a revival or folks coming to Christ or folks that used to go to church back in church? What is keeping us from that in our country. And I started to make a list of these things. And there are about maybe eight or nine things on this list, but there's one sentence that uh, precedes all of them, and that is when people in God's church judge others for, and then I've got these many things. And they're not, they're, they're, it's, it's not a, those things are things that are important to us. We must study through. We must know what we believe about God's word. But having said that, I think when Jesus brings this topic up, I know it's for me, and I've already prayed today that this would be something that he has for you. Would you bow with me in prayer one more time? Heavenly Father, you are the judge. We praise you for that. We praise you that even though you look upon a sin or on a, on a world that is filled with sin, as you look upon men and women, 
in this world and we are all born sinners, we thank you for the wonderful privilege that you will judge so many of us based on the shed blood of Jesus Christ and what he has done. And so we come to you today confessing that you are a judge, confessing our guilt, proclaiming and celebrating our forgiveness. And we come today wanting to be used with the time we have in this world to bring others to Jesus Christ, to grow Christians in their faith. And so as we look at the words of your son now, would you please give us wisdom? Would you please help us we thank you for the wonderful teaching of the Holy Spirit. We would request that now. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I think we cannot get away from the fact that we all judge, okay? Um, even if you are mature in your Christian life in this area, every one of us judges, I think, dozens and even hundreds of times a day. I've had this in the forefront of my thinking for the past few weeks and so I'm seeing it all over the place. Even this morning as I was waking one of my kids up, I said, did you make a face at me just like that? They judged me for waking them up at the ungodly hour of 8 a.m. <laughs> we constantly judge. Not too long ago, I was driving um, in town here and I was approaching some railroad tracks. No signal going off. No gate was down. But I have an older car, so when I go over tracks too fast, I lose parts of my car, if that makes sense. There's so much rust on it. I slowed down for those tracks, and even though there was no alarm going, I happened to see one of the little tug engines that was coming up from my right. And so there was no alarm, but I was able to stop right there. And I saw him coming. He was a little bit down the way, a little bit out of sight. But I stopped for him. Guy behind me, laid on the horn like you wouldn't believe. He was like, you got to be kidding me, old-timer. Why are you stopping at the railroad tracks? You're really going to look both ways like they teach in driver's ed? It's probably what he was thinking. And yet, within a few seconds, that little engine came into view, and possibly he regretted that he honked his horn at me. Possibly. We constantly are judging some individuals are able to process this and judge without very much damage. There are some individuals who have matured in their walk with Christ. And I'll just say this, there are some who have just simply learned the hard way about judging. And I stand in that category. There are others who need to improve in this area. There are others who need to pray about what God would have them do. The truth is all of us practice judging on some level. And what we're going to see in God's word today is a few questions. We're going to answer some questions and walk through our text. Questions like who are those that are to judge? Who gets to judge? Questions like who, are, who should be judged from the Bible? What do we see there? And then if judging is something we're to do, how can we do it in a way that pleases God? It's a good question. How can you and I judge in a way that is Christ honoring? I was talking with one of our church leaders yesterday about this. And here, if you haven't gotten a good foundation for this message yet, let me just take you to this place. Every one of us in this room 
without exception, is a broken person. Some of you, it's more public. It's obvious how you are broken. For some of you, you are fighting desperately to keep where you are broken hidden from others around you. But if you will approach this text of Scripture with the understanding that you, just like the person next to you, are broken, it is going to help you to receive the message that Jesus Christ has for you. All right, all that to take us to our text. Matthew chapter 7, please, in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 7. Um, if you don't have a Bible, please um, use one of the pew Bibles that's in the hymn rack in front of you. And if you do not own a Bible, please take that Bible as our gift to you. We want everybody that attends Calvary to um, have a Bible of their very own. So please do take that as our gift. But Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to be for the majority of our time. We need to approach this, uh, this one topic with the picture of the whole. Jesus Christ is, te- is teaching teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, and he is making a clear distinction between how the religious leaders lived and how God wants us to live. We need to keep that in mind. you, You can have a nice specific application, no doubt, but keep that big picture in mind. It will help you to know better what Christ wants you to know. Now let me give a quiz for those of you who have been paying attention to our study of the Sermon on the Mount. The religious leaders who Jesus is referring to again and again, they were concerned primarily with one side. And I'll give you two choices. There's the inside, and then there's the outside appearance. Which one was the uh, religious leaders more interested in, the inside or the outside appearance? It was the outside. They were experts on making sure that they could not be at fault of breaking one of the laws. They've, done, they've gone to all kinds of trouble to make sure that people knew that they were wonderfully, beautifully clean on the outside. And today we come to, I think this is a scripture that is used, I think it's in the top 10 scriptures that people outside of church use. Does that make sense to us? Judge not, lest ye be judged. People that don't know the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, they have this verse memorized. And oftentimes, they probably have a decent reason for saying that verse to someone. Now, sometimes they do want to just justify their own sin. But there's no doubt that there are some people who are followers of Jesus Christ who have approached them in a way that Jesus would not have approached them. The religious leaders were experts at judging. Let's go ahead and look at these first two verses of Matthew chapter 7. Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. There's coming an example that Jesus is going to use. It's an exaggeration that he uses to get his point across about who should not judge. It is important that we understand what Jesus has said about those who have forfeited the right to judge. And when you think of these religious leaders, you need to understand that he is pointing to them 
but he also has a lesson for those who want to follow God as close as possible. This illustration he's going to use is almost cartoon-like. When Jesus says here, judge not that ye be not judged, he's referring to those religious leaders and their judgment of others. Now, do you remember the setting of the Sermon on the Mount? You remember where we're at? They're on the side of a mountain. Some of you have been to that place where they believe the Sermon on the Mount took place. And Jesus is preaching. The primary audience is his 12. He's talking to them, but there are thousands of people that are around I believe there are religious leaders that are hearing this. And very much so, when the people heard this idea of judge not lest ye be judged, I think it cut right to the heart of many of them. I think probably before Jesus said these words here, that's recorded for us in the sermon, there were many people who had already said those words. There were many people who said, you know what, you better watch out. All that judging you're doing. And even though they would keep the outward appearance very much above board, Jesus is speaking primarily to the heart. And so if we can reverse just a little bit, just for some context, some of them would say, hey, I've never committed adultery. Got that going for me. And Jesus, I don't think Christ was sarcastic, but he might say, hey, congratulations on that. But what God really wants is for you to never look upon a woman, never to lust after a woman, And they would have to sink right down into the place of what their character revealed they really were. What about you and me? I'm not calling anybody here a Pharisee or a hypocrite. That's not my goal. And so if we're going to take something away from this passage here, how does this apply to us? First of all, who is to judge Who is to judge? Well, as we study the Word of God, which, by the way, class, what is the best commentary on the Bible? It is the Bible. So when you have some questions about a text somewhere, the best place for you to go is to another text. If you want to say, or someone wants to say, the Bible says you can never judge anybody for anything, or if they just say, judge not lest you be judged, so you can't judge me, we need to go to the rest of the scriptures and find out exactly what that means. Who is to judge? Well, Christians are supposed to judge. They are supposed to judge other Christians who are struggling in some way. We cannot get away from this in the New Testament. In fact, I'm going to give us a verse here in a little bit, and it could be a whole sermon. We could spend so much time on Galatians 6, 1. When you and I look at this idea of judging, I want us first to, I want to reference a passage before that that is for the church. Individuals who have been around for a while, who have experienced problems, they have learned this passage and they have learned the beautiful way that God has given it to us to use when problems come up. The passage is Matthew 18. I'm not going to give you all the verses, but in Matthew chapter 18, God gives us a wonderful way for us to deal with problems in the church, and that is by going to someone who has a sin or who has offended you with a sin. Sometimes there are some sins that happen that we can just forgive. We let, we let love cover that sin up. I'll just get along with somebody because I love them. We just kind of do away with it. There are other times when there's an offense, and I need to do something about it. 
And God has said, you don't go and get on the phone and start talking to your friends about what so-and-so did. God has said in Matthew 18 that if you have a brother or a sister that is in sin, you need to go to them in love. We're going to get into some of the specifics of that. And then it gives us some good uh, teaching for the church. As for, as they, if they don't repent from that sin, you go to them with somebody else. You don't give up on them. And if they still don't repent, then you go with the whole church and do your best to restore them to a place where they're walking in obedience to God. And then Galatians 6.1. I've got it on the screen for you. If you're taking notes, write down this reference and just look at it. Because you can, if you can spend as much time as me on it, you'll need a while. Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers, so who is judging who? Brothers in the church, sisters in the church. If anyone is caught in any transgression, so there's a sin going on, all right? So you're not judging because of your favorite sports team. You're not judging because of your favorite diet plan. You're not judging because of your opinion. We'll see that later on. Galatians 6.1, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual. Whoa. How long should we talk about this one? Who gets to judge? You who are spiritual is what Paul says. It's implying there are some who are spiritual who can help somebody who has fallen into sin and bring them back to a place of fellowship with God if they are intentionally choosing to live a life of sin as is um, dictated by the Word of God, who, who is defined by the Word of God. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Now, I oftentimes say this. Sometimes you're going to hear a sermon and someone will come to me afterwards and they're going to say, hey, were you thinking about me when you put that sermon together? When you preached that sermon, when you made that one point, were you thinking about me when you did that? And I want to give you the answer to that today. The answer today is yes, I was thinking about you if this comes to your mind. There are so many struggles with this area. And the, the spirit of gentleness is so important for the one who is spiritual, who is to judge. And then in 2 Timothy, we also see just generally where it says that the church is to reprove and rebuke with love, with great love. On what basis do we judge? I took away a few things a little bit ago. And so on what basis are we allowed to judge? And by the way, when I say the word judge, sometimes you're going to need to interject the word rebuke. Because if you're judging, that doesn't mean you made a decision and then you don't do anything about it. Judging here, we're talking about when you go and you, you call somebody on it. You rebuke somebody. On what basis do we rebuke someone? Well, it is on the basis of the word of God. And this is huge. We must guard against judging others on our opinions. It does not mean that you don't have opinions. It does not mean that you do not set some things for your own life or your, for your family that you think is best. But it means you do not divide the family of God because someone has a different belief about something than you do that is not clear in God's word. And it is implied when I say that 
that you have to have a good understanding of what? Of God's Word, right? Too many people have borrowed convictions. You heard somebody say it, and so therefore you just think it's true. One of the best things you will ever do in your Christian walk is discipline yourself to daily be learning from the Word of God. With the amount of resources that we have available to us today, there is no excuse. The amount of Bibles in print, the amount of audio Bibles that we have, and the time, the technology, taking in the Word of God, there is no excuse for you not to be learning it. And we must guard against judging and rebuking someone for something that is not clear in the Bible. The main things are the plain things. The plain things are the main things. And probably most of you could very easily come up with something that was an argument between somebody, some people, a a leader and a non-leader or different leaders, about something that wasn't major. I could give illustrations all day about this. I don't know why people want to choose little uh, fights about those small things. I do know why the devil wants you to choose to fight about those small things. Because it keeps our eyes off of the big things. As a church, we want to see people coming to Jesus Christ, getting saved. And as a church, we want to see people growing in their Christian walk. And there are a thousand things that we can debate and argue about that have nothing to do with eternity. You need to know God's word. You need to study it. We can have healthy debates in those things. But in the end, we need to come back together with the main objectives that we are understanding and moving towards together. And when I say that this topic is hard for me, it's because I have so many illustrations of when I have judged someone else for something that the word of God did not clearly teach. And I'm thinking, which example do I share with you? Which time do I share when I looked at that one? And here's the judgment. Are you ready? There are so many forms of judgment. How about the tone of voice? Do we judge with our tone of voice sometimes? We use the expression looking down your nose at someone. Fellowship with someone. I can remember back in 1997 a friend of mine that I had grown up with. And she had a different, she was in a different place than I was regarding one aspect of her life of which the Bible gave no specifics on. But I had adopted something in my own life and as I was talking to them, I can remember the time when I just thought I am so much better than she is. Hopefully, she will grow in her spiritual walk Hopefully she will understand and someday come to the place where I am on this area. And here's what God is with us. God is patient with us. He is so patient with you. He doesn't strike you with lightning when you step out and judge when you shouldn't be judging and judge by a standard not according to the Bible. He's patient with us. And I had the opportunity, the wonderful privilege when I have experienced the patience and forgiveness of God, I was able to go to that person and ask them to forgive me. Will you forgive me for judging you? And they said, of course I will. 
And today we're friends. I think different denominations will start because of what we're talking about here. We need to be so guarded. We need to know the word of God and what we have a right to judge on. And that's going to mean you know the word of God. All right, next. What is our motivation for judging? Why do we rebuke? Why do we judge? It is to bring that person back to a place of obedience. This is what we find in the New Testament. Love them with the intent that you're going to bring them back to the place where they want to be, even if they don't say it. And this is going to mean a lot of prayer. What's the best way to do this? What is the best way to do this? I want to suggest to you that it's going to be different with different people. You're a different kind of person that might approach someone. That person receiving that is going to receive it and hear it in a different way. Pray about the best way to do this. Now, we find two areas um, where Jesus corrects the religious leaders. All right? Two areas where Christ gives some rebuke to these religious leaders. Here's the first one. They were judging with the mindset that they were better. You must guard against this. Would you please hold your place here and turn over to Luke chapter 18? Just a couple books to the right. Luke chapter 18. There is a story about some religious leaders who believe they were better that Jesus gives us, and I think it's appropriate. Luke chapter 18, and we're going to start in verse number 19. This is a parable about the Pharisee and the tax collector. Now, before I start reading, let me tell you, we've talked about Pharisees quite a bit. If you're not familiar with the Bible teaching of a tax collector, don't think of an IRS agent in our country today. That's not what it's talking about. Tax collectors were individuals that were consumed by greed, They were dishonest. They were known for being public sinners. And in Israel, they were ones who were making money off of their own people. They were ones who were hired by the government to take taxes from fellow Jews, and they would steal. So understand, a tax collector, as we're approaching it here, is the worst kind of sinner. Look at verse number 9 of Luke 18. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temp- into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, can you, can you get a picture in your head here? Verse 11, the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners and unjust and adulterers. Let me stop right there. Could it be in this parable, can you picture him as he's praying, God, thank you that I'm not like that one and that one and that one. And then maybe at the corner of his eye, he glances and he sees a tax collector. And in the middle of his prayer, and oh God, look at it in verse 11, even like this tax collector, God, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This picture is obvious to us 
of, some, of, of, a, of a contrast. And we need to apply it to ourselves. When you are going to judge, when you're going to rebuke someone, it must come with an attitude that I am just a sinner saved by grace just like you. If you're coming with this spirit that you're so much better than they are, thank God that I'm not like that one, then it will not accomplish what God wants Christian rebuke to accomplish. We must regularly remind ourselves of the noun that is found in John Newton's song, Amazing Grace, where it says, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a, what? Wretch. And the beautiful part of that song is not that we have to focus on the fact that you are a wretch or were a wretch. You focus on the fact that you were a wretch, but now you're saved. You see, the only reason you can see is because God opened your eyes. Once you were blind, but now you can see. And if you're going to practice this area of judging others, you need to come at it from this understanding that we are all sinners saved by grace. And if you're going to go to that one and practice biblical rebuke, let me throw this out there. Are you ready? This is the hard work. If you're going to go to a brother or sister and try to correct them to bring them to a place of closeness with God, ideally, much of the work is done far in advance. So, if someone comes to you and you've had less than two conversations in your entire life, maybe they've said hello or good morning in passing, but they're coming to you to rebuke you You don't know about the love that they have for you. You don't have a relationship that is established. If you're going to practice this kind of judging, the work needs to be done in advance. There needs to be a relationship already there that is marked by humility, that is marked by character, and that is marked by love. If you've not struggled with that particular sin that you're going to approach somebody about, that's okay. But you need to understand that you're vulnerable in some areas too, right? You have some weaknesses and you are not above falling into sin. So you approach them in that way. And the religious leaders would judge people with a mindset that they were better. And then next, the problem that Christ confronts is they were not dealing with their own sin. Turn back to Matthew chapter 7. They were not dealing with their own sin. And here comes this illustration, this cartoon-like picture. Let's read verses 3 through 5 of Matthew 7. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now time is fleeing from us, but I did bring some things up here for an illustration for this. Let me tell you, first of all, it'd be my preference that Jesus wasn't exaggerating so much here. He's using exaggeration to prove his point. I think that it'd be easier to teach a speck in your eye versus a pencil in your eye. I can still see that and I can't do anything if I've got a pencil poked in my eye. 
but I can't do justice to the text if I take away Jesus' exaggeration. He says a log is the idea. I didn't get a log, nor can I lift a log. Having said that, I went and got this board. And if you can just imagine this picture. So here's the picture of the individual who's trying to help somebody. Okay? Um, I need some help. Gary, would you come and help me out up here? So, all right. I have here in this baggie here a speck. It's right there. Bill can confirm this. I showed it to him. Can you see that speck right there? I see it. Okay, I'm going to take this speck and I'm going to put it in your eye. I'm just kidding. I'm not really going to do that. All right. But have you had something that size in your eye before maybe? Yeah. About that size or a little, about that size? Even maybe a little larger. Okay. Let's see. I'm aware that you've got a speck in your eye. All right. I'm going to help you out. All right. So this is what Christ is talking about. Okay, Gary, now, Gary, brother, brother, I see, you have a, I see you have a speck in your eye. Let me, I'm going to help you get that speck, hold on a second, I'm going to help you get that speck, oh, heavens, all right, get that speck out of your eye, wait, hold on, we laugh at that, this is exactly what Jesus says some of us are. You don't have any right to help him get that speck out of his eye until you deal, until you get real with God. Thank you for your help. Let's give him a hand, everybody, I guess. Christ uses exaggeration here. It's, it's like the idea of somebody giving you some counsel on health and diet who's 185 pounds overweight, Right? It's like the idea of you're going to go get some help with, for a class at school and you're not going to go and ask somebody who's getting Fs, right? Some of you students, have you seen the other student who was there and they're like, man, I'm going to tell you how I study and you know what grade they got on the last test. And you're like, forget that. I'm going to get in a study group where they've got some smart kids or kids getting A's. That's the idea. Jesus Christ points out these hypocrites, but I want to suggest to us that God does want us to be in a place where we can rebuke and judge and grow one another, but in order for that to happen, we have to deal with what's going on in our own life. What is the time not to judge when we have not dealt with our own sin? Then look at verse 6. In some verses, it's kind of a standalone, in some Bibles, it's kind of a standalone verse there. I think it applies. Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. And there are a, a few different ways that we can interpret this. I think that what Jesus is trying to say here is there are some times when you give that biblical loving rebuke and it's ignored and that biblical loving response to someone and they don't heed it I think this is saying here that there can be, if there is a pattern of someone constantly not receiving your biblical counsel or your pearl, that it could be that you just don't pick that battle anymore. Maybe you're going to have to be creative and go a different way to gain an audience with them. But Jesus says here, don't throw your pearls before pigs. And I think that if there's a pattern of someone not receiving that, 
You need to pray about how you can impact that person or maybe someone else might be able to. So what can we do with this? What can you and I do? First of all, have biblical reasons for attempting to bring someone back to a right standing with God. So we are not assuming. Do we assume sometimes? I guarantee you, some of you have already assumed today, on a small level at least. We assume sometimes to our detriment. Be very, very careful about that. And also, we do not judge by our opinions, which means you need to know what God's Word says. The new daily breads are out for September. Some of you have a practice of a specific Bible devotional. If you don't have one, grab a daily bread from the literature rack. Get started with that. Find something, but be in God's Word daily. And then number two, when judging someone, understand that you are not above falling into sin. Not above falling into sin. A few years ago, I, I, uh, I called someone to help me with a project here around the church. By the way, we're busy this fall. We have a lot of needs. If you're interested in getting plugged in, we have several places, whether it's a support role or a leadership role. We have several places we need folks to serve to keep this local body making an impact. Having said that, I called with a small request years ago, and the person gave me a response that I'll probably not forget for quite some time. I said, hey, I got a project to run the church here that I need done. Here's what it is. I was wondering if you could help me with that or find somebody to help you and take care of that. And just as quick as can be, his response came. He said, what in the world difference would that make in the light of eternity? Just like that. And I said, oh, and I didn't have an answer right away. I was like, oh, well, okay. Um, thanks anyway. And and kind of got off the phone. But you know, that's not, that's, that, that phrase can be helpful for us when we approach this idea. If you're going to step out there, if you're going to stand in a place as a judge, ask these questions. Is this going to help me or help the church family bring people to Jesus Christ? Was it going to do that? Or is it going to help the church family be built up, be edified? These are things that we are always looking at. And brothers and sisters, let me close with this. The devil, he knows what we are doing. And it's like a chess match. God's going to win. We're going to be in heaven someday. But every time, listen, listen, every time you think you get a handle on how to beat something or how to be effective in some way or how to make a difference, it might be good for a while and praise God for that, but the devil and all of his demons, they're getting in there and they're going to try to switch that up. They're so creative and they're so smart. And yet the Holy Spirit within you and I as followers of Jesus Christ allows us to change, to tweak it allows us to when the devil comes and attacks and tries to distract us and pull us away from something, allows us to say, hold on a second, who is the real enemy here? What are we really trying to accomplish here? I want to thank you. I want to thank you for being ones who not only are open to Bible teaching, which sometimes is hard to hear, but I want to thank you for being individuals who are open to the Holy Spirit and what he would do in your life because it's hard, isn't it? Isn't it hard when we face something in the scriptures? It very well could be that some of you need to go and ask for forgiveness. 
from someone that you have judged. It very well could be that some of you, something you feel very, very strongly about, you need to examine the word of God and say, is this thus saith the Lord or is this thus saith my preference or my pastor or someone else? God's word is the standard. Thank you for being a student of the Bible. Thank you for being a part of what God is doing. If you haven't figured it out yet, you need to know something about me. I am an eternal optimist when it comes to the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has established his church. We can have a conversation about universal church, all saved people, or the local church. I'm talking about the local church. God has given all of his children a plan for growth, for worship, for instruction, for spreading the gospel, and it is involved in the local church. If you have not been thankful or grateful today about what God has given you, understand there are over a billion people in this world who have never even heard the name of Jesus Christ. Allow that to drive you. Allow that to be the gasoline that goes on your fire. And what are you going to choose to focus on, to try to make somebody change about? How beautiful our God is to give us a church family. How beautiful it is for us to be able to join together and then to scatter from this place so that God's kingdom can increase. We'll spend more time on this next week talking about judging so that we are not judged, talking about how this affects our church, talking about how the world sees this and how we can best impact the world with the years and the place that we have been given. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you, I thank you for the wonderful salvation that I enjoy. And as I gather with others, I thank you for the lessons that they have learned I thank you for the grace. The same thing that applies to me applies to them. And I thank you for your patience with us, God. Heavenly Father, those that are here, I would pray that they would see how patient you have been with them, possibly in this area of judging, how they can improve, how they can decide today to move forward and not be a hindrance to what you want to happen, but to be a help. We thank you for the beautiful words of your son, Jesus Christ. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, I'm going to give you a chance to pray. It's been a topical message today about judging. It's been a hard topic for me. It could be that you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. If it just happens to be that you've gone through all of your years and you've never heard that Jesus is God and that Jesus died on a cross, not because of anything he did wrong, he was sinless, but he died on a cross for my sins. And if you've never heard it before, Jesus died on a cross for your sins. You are a sinner. And Jesus died so that you could have forgiveness. If you will just ask him to forgive you, make you God's child, 
He will. You can take just a moment right now. You might not know the words to pray. Just give it a shot. Just start to talk to God and ask him to forgive you, make you his child. For others that are here, maybe God's working in your heart in some way. Take a moment to pray.